are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, good morning. Last week, we, uh, we really looked at Romans chapter 7. And uh, Romans chapter 7, Paul gets into this whole thing where he's like, you know, how can I keep doing this? I try to do what I, I, I try to do right, but I keep doing wrong. I, I just keep messing up, and, and, and how do I do this? And he goes through this whole inner struggle, but then he ends it with saying, you know what? It's but the grace of our deliverer, Jesus Christ, who sets us free. We've been set free by the blood of the Lamb, each and every one of us in this room. And it's so amazing what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. So Paul was at that place where he was looking at the sinful nature. He, Paul, if you remember, was a lifelong Pharisee. He has an epiphany that his whole life, that he believed that the law was flesh. Don't do this, do this. But then all of a sudden he wakes up and realizes that the law is actually spirit. And it is impossible to live up to the law except through the atonement of Jesus, our deliverer. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in Romans chapter 8, living a life in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we want to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, every single person in here who has said, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord and Savior, has opened up that door saying, God, We invite the Spirit of the Lord into our lives. And Lord, we just ask God that that Spirit would just be so relevant, would just be so radiant in each and every one of us. Because God, we don't worship a dead God, but Lord, you are alive and well and wanting to do incredible things in this kingdom. In your name we ask it. Amen. So before we hit Romans, let's just take a quick peek. If you have your Bibles with me, open them up to John chapter 3, where we're going to read about a conversation between Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and Jesus, where Jesus tells him in order to be part of the kingdom of God, he needs to be born again. Verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, explained Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said to him, For sure, I tell you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the holy nation of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? How can he get into his mother's womb and be born for the second time? And Jesus answered, for sure, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit of God, he cannot get into the holy nation of God. So here we see that when we accept Jesus into our hearts, there's an inward change. It's not just some prayer, but it's asking the Spirit of God to come and dwell within our hearts. And at that moment of salvation, a supernatural transformation takes place where our spirits come alive through Christ Jesus. We become a new creation, birthed in the Spirit, yet there's still that old desire, that sinful nature that dwells inside of each one of us, wanting to rise up from time to time to make itself known. There's a battle happening inside of us for our soul. Our soul is sandwiched in between our body on the left and our spirit on the right. And we worship the Lord in spirit and truth, yet we live in a world that is full of flesh. 
We hear flesh in the church. We, we see banners and, and advertising that ministers and speaks to the flesh. We look at things and all of a sudden we start to covet. Man, I, I want that. Man, my life would be better if only I had that. Do you remember uh, uh, Mark McMillan? Are you in the room, Mark? I saw your wife, Rhea. Mark's working today. But Mark spoke a while ago, and do you remember if, uh, when he spoke that he was watching TV and he saw the hip-hop abs? And he's like, I need that in my life. How many times have we done that? We watch something, and advertisement is just so bent on selling us what we don't have or what we desire or what we feel we need. Galatians 5 17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. To a person who desires the flesh is incapable of doing the things of the Spirit. And a person who is walking in the Spirit is incapable of doing things in the flesh. See, life in the Spirit does not rule out the possibility of sin, but it does impart the power not to sin. See, in this world we'll have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ is our deliverer. The work that he did on the cross is complete. Sin has been defeated. Death has locked his sting. Praise be to God. Now let's dive this morning in Romans chapter 8. Have you in your life dealt with with depression, uncertainty, maybe, maybe a questioning of even your own salvation, Romans 8 is a chapter that you need to personally dig into, memorize, meditate upon it, for there's so many powerful truths. The door that is open to things like depression are things like past mistakes, future concerns, and present trials. Things like, I'm a failure. And if anyone knew who I really was or what I've done, they would never be supportive of me for I have so many skeletons in my closet. Or I'm so afraid of the future, what happens if I don't find a job? What happens if the oil doesn't turn around? What happens if someone in my family becomes ill and I can't support them? Or my life sucks. I hate my job. I hate my marriage. It's falling apart. My children are turning out just like me. What am I going to do about it? Romans 8 has us covered, for this chapter alone deals with past, present, and future. Romans 8.1 deals with the past. If you're here and you have skeletons in your closet, this is for you. Verse 1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. If you're a person who is frightened about the future and what it's going to look like, verse 38 is for you. Verse 38 says, and I'm convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. And if you're a person who's struggling right now in the present, then memorize and meditate on verse 28. This is for you. And we know that God causes everything to work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose for them. See, I believe that many believers can get stuck in their walk because we focus on the wrong question. 
So often we live our lives asking this question, how? There are conferences. Man, conferences always deal with how. How to do this. How to be a better Christian. How to live a spirit-filled life. How to do this. How to do that. And we flock to them. Books, uh, movies, all this kind of stuff deals with that. But Paul understands something as he reads it, that life is not about the how, or it shouldn't be about the how. But in chapter 7, it leaves the how question, and he experiences something that we all need to understand this morning. Verse 7, 24 says, What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you catch that? Paul leaves the how And he starts to focus on a much more important question. Who? Let's let's just let that sink in for a moment. Where have you been asking how? And what would that question look like if you flipped it over to who? How can I be a better Christian? Wait, Wait a minute. Who can I be the best that I can be? Who can, who can walk with me in the in life and just make me the man or woman that he's made me to be? How can I be set from How can I be set free from sin? Wait a minute. Who is my deliverer? Who can cut that root and meet me right where I am? The answer is Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, we see Paul writes 19 times about the who. He he uh, he talks about the spirit of Jesus. What would our lives look like if this year we focused not on the how questions, but on who? Jesus Christ. I think this would be a year of utter transformation for each one of us in this room. So if we focus on Jesus, then Romans 8.1 says, there is no guilt nor condemnation through Christ. Man, that's powerful. Do you see this picture this morning? It just looks like a rock laying in the sand. But imagine this this morning. If you, I just want to take us on a bit of a journey. You see, This is king and the priest. There's no condemnation through Christ Jesus. We love it. It's very priestly. Yet there's also balance between the king. If you flip over to John chapter 8, I'm going to read a little bit about the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he went back again to the temple, and the crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he's speaking, the teachers of the religious laws and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said, stone her. What do you say? See, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. I love this. Beginning with the oldest. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Why I love that whole thing about the oldest doing it first, because you know what? We need in this church the elderly. We need the wisdom and the years that they have. 
And when they set the example of holiness, this next generation will follow. I remember when I was in Edmonton, there was a guy who's now passed away and he's been with the Lord, but he was this little man who was a missionary over in Africa. And he always wore a suit. And the guy probably weighed like 80 pounds. It was like, he probably was like Laura Dixon with a suit. And he was just little frame guy, and he was the guy that I really wanted to model my life after. And I remember one Sunday evening, we just had a testimony service. And he comes up and he says this, and he, I just, the way he spoke was just so cool. He goes, Pastor Lance, I would like to share something this evening. And I'm like, Art, here you go. He says, brothers and sisters, I need to repent before you, for I have been a terrible husband. My wife is sitting right here, and I need to ask her forgiveness for treating you poorly. I'm like, this is the most gentle, loving guy you've ever seen in, your wor in, the, in the world. Like, what could he possibly have done? Told her one day that she looked fat? Like, I don't know. And as he shared this heart, he just started to weep. And then that opened up a line of people who were coming up and publicly confessing sin. And I was just like, God, this is amazing. Lord, we need seasoned saints to set the way, to set the tone, to be men and women of godliness and to be able to embrace holiness and forgiveness at age 86 years old. So back to our story here. Each one of these people walked away because of the, the amazing testimony that Jesus said and the elderly first dropped their stones and then the younger followed. Now we have a woman. She's standing naked before the Lord. See, when we come naked, and honest before God, saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. But I don't know, but I do know, Lord, but what you did on the cross, we have the freedom to go our way and to be clean. Yet the balance of the king says, but you need to go and sin no more. How can we do that? How can we daily walk in the spirit of God? It's understanding that we are in Christ. Here's an amazing parallel picture for you, for those of you who are picture people. You remember in the Old Testament that God told Noah to build an ark? He gave him specific instructions in Genesis 6, 14. I'm going to read it quickly to you. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without pitch. This word here, pitch, the Hebrew word is kephar. Kephar is the exact same word used for the atonement. So you see, when Noah built the ark, the Lord could have included pegs telling, telling Noah and his family, you know what, guys? This is going to be a 40-day and 40-night hurricane. We're going to put on pegs, and you guys need to hold on because it's going to get rough. And see, I believe that that is what so many Christians do. We're holding on for dear life. We're holding on to those pegs saying, oh, Lord, here we go. 
Lord, you got to get me through this. Lord, you just got to do it. But that's not what happened with Noah. See, they built this, this ark, and they used the pitch, which is the same word for atonement. And then what happened? They went inside of the atonement. And then if you remember right, oh, this is so cool. If you remember right, they're in the atonement, and then the flood starts happening, and what does God do? He shuts the door, surrounding them in the atonement of God. <sighs> My friends, when we ask Christ into our life, the Spirit of the Lord is alive and active inside of our lives. And we need to hide ourselves in the atonement of God. And we need to walk in that place where we're like, Spirit of the Lord, where I go today, you're with me. Everything that I do today, Lord, you will never leave me or forsake me. You are with me in all things. And God, I need to hide myself in the atonement this morning, this evening, this afternoon. Life in the Spirit is seeing ourselves sealed in with Christ. There is no guilt, no condemnation, no matter how rough it gets, we're shut in and safely covered. I'm going to tell you a little secret about me right now. I shared a little while ago that I had a bit of bad news from the doctor. And I went on a bit of a journey, and I've lost some weight, and, I, and I've done all this kind of stuff, but I have these desires. And I have these cravings. And you know what I love? Oh, it's sinful. I love Dairy Queen ice cream. I love it. I love it. And sometimes, even now, four to five times a week, I'm in the drive-thru. And I get a small cone. That is manna from heaven. But, but, but I want to I share something with you this morning. That small cone has 230 calories. It has seven grams of fat. And it has 26 grams of sugar. That's terrible for a diabetic. But after I eat it, all the calories, all the sugar, all the fat are now hidden inside. <laughs> and if I went and stopped off at Dairy Queen and then went to your house afterwards, you would have no idea because it's hidden in the atonement. Now, every once in a while, that can still come out. I, I think two weeks ago, it was a hot day, and I'm in the office, and I'm just working away, and I'm like, I feel a calling and a pulling. I need an ice cream. So I went and got one and brought one. And Natalie, our secretary, says, you can't eat that. I said, oh, yes, I can. And I'm going to. And I'm going to enjoy it. When the Father looks at us and we sin, that sin is hidden through Christ. For we are one in Christ. We are a new creation. So when the Father looks at us, what does he see? He sees his Son, Jesus Christ. 
That's powerful. But go and sin no more. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, is there are things in this world that keep pulling us down. Number one, Satan. Number two, the flesh. And number three, a world system. But you know what? In order for those to work, all three of them have to be in place. See, what I mean by that is if Satan wasn't around, then the flesh in the world system would be fine because there wouldn't be the tempter. And if all of a sudden the flesh wasn't here, then Satan wouldn't have anything to be able to work towards. And the world system, and all of a sudden if the world system was all great, Satan and the flesh would be fine. But when three of them come together, we have problems. But Romans 8, 2 says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Thank you, Lord. It's like the law of gravity. It's in effect. It's in effect. If I was to accidentally get too excited and hit this stand, my computer would fall to the ground. But why don't airplanes fall? Because there's another law at work. It's called the law of lift. And that law supersedes the law of gravity because of the, its designation and how it works. There's also a greater law in the kingdom of God. He lives inside of each one of us who've accepted Christ as our Lord. Romans 4 says, 8, 4 says, he did, this so that just, uh, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Verse 3 says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And that body, God declared, an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So we know that we cannot fulfill the law on our own. God fulfilled the law in us through the life of Jesus Christ, his spirit daily leading us where we need to go. So then if we're covered, does that mean that we can do whatever we want? Yes and no. We have the freedom to do whatever we want, but verse 6 tells us, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Jesus has freed us from the things of this world and elevated us to a higher place. Why would we ever want to look back? Carnally minded was what Jesus said the Gentiles were all about. They were living for their next meal. They were living for the things of the world. They were living carnal lives. Living in the flesh takes our eyes off the Lord and we start to focus on material things. Paul says in Ephesians 4, with the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. So why is the flesh death? Because man was created in the image of God. God is holy. God is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
We were created in the image of God. And guess what? We too are a trinity. A lesser trinity. But we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is the deepest part. The soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and the body is the temple that we live in. When God first created man, he had a beautiful relationship in the garden, a relationship between the spirit of man and God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis that they walked together in the cool of the day. But then man sinned. See, man gave into the flesh, and something happened. The spirit was on top. And then all of a sudden, when man gave into sin, it flipped, and the flesh went to the top. But God, we worship God, how? In spirit and in truth. God will never, ever accept a sacrifice of flesh. He can't. Take a look, study yourself, the life of Cain and what happened. So we have that choice. Lord, do I want to walk in the spirit? Or do I want to walk in the flesh? Because we have free will. But it's walking in that place, understanding that God is in us, understanding that we are in the atonement and inviting the Holy Spirit into every situation that we walk in. So our soul is sandwiched in between the spirit and the flesh, and there is the battle. This morning, I want you, if you're taking notes, write down this question. I want us all to really think about this and ask yourself, a tough question. Are you ready? What is dominating your thoughts? Is it spirit? Or is it flesh? Is it thoughts of Jesus? I remember when I first got saved, something, the Spirit of God, came alive inside of me, and I was so excited. I had a love for life. I had a holy zeal for the Lord. But as the battle rages, our minds start to think about things and dwell on other things. Man, I'm so hungry. Pastor, hurry up and finish. Because Joe's is calling. Man, where, where should we plan our next vacation? You know, I think... We should do a cruise this time. What do you think, Sin? Yeah, amen. Oh, I see that my neighbor just boat, bought a boat. <laughs> Wait till he sees the yacht that I'm going to buy. <laughs> He's going to be so jealous. This is and has been the age-old battle. My friends, let's look at the wisest man in the world, Solomon. Solomon gathered so much gold that silver didn't have value. But then he started thinking and thought, man, I'm not happy with this. Vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. What will make me happy? I know, women. Women will make me happy. And he gets himself a thousand wives and concubines. That's going to do it. I'm the envy of the kingdom. I have so many beautiful women. Sound familiar? How many lives and stars, people who have an endless supply of fame, fortune, money, just are always looking for the next thing. They're not happy in the relationships. They break up. Fairs take place. All these things happen 
because they're not happy. And we, we think and we think to ourselves like, you know what, we hear people say, you know what, millions of dollars will not make us happy. And we're like, well, you know what, I, I believe that, but I'd like to try for myself. So Solomon gets to that place where all of a sudden he's like vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. I, I know, study. Study will do it. He becomes a scholar, writing books, having a thirst for knowledge, but then he comes to the conclusion that study is weary to the flesh. So what does he do? He turns to partying. He gets peacocks and apes. He throws the best party around, and again, he's like, vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. What will make me happy? You know what? An empire. I'm going to build the largest empire with the largest army. We will be known worldwide. For us, if I had a bigger house, you know what? That, that, that would make me happy. You know, if I could only get out of Coal Lake and get into an acreage where I have my own land, that would make me happy. You, you know, if I could get some animals, a dog, a cat, goats, that would make me happy. Plants, sure. Plants in our house is a death trap, but, uh, but whatever that is, you know what? I'm still not happy. It's got to be this wife that you gave me, Lord. She's making me miserable. Maybe I need a new wife. Maybe I just, maybe I just don't want to be a dad anymore. Maybe I just want to go and start all over again and walk away and just do it. Vanity, vanity. Solomon was on top of everything, yet he realized it was all nothing. And as you read Solomon's life, 12 years, he turns around. Paul says in verse 6, So let your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many people in this room right now need peace? Man, there's such, there's such a desire in this world for peace. Why? We live in a world of chaos. Life in the Spirit will give you life and peace. And it's yours. God, transform my mind. God, help me, Lord, not to focus on the flesh. But God, help me to press into the presence of God. Lord, I know you're inside of me. But Lord, let me be actively aware that you are here. Let me understand that every decision that I make, are vacations wrong? No. But what dominates your thoughts? Is it spirit or is it flesh? What's been ruling your soul, spirit or flesh. Paul says in verse 9, but you are controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, living in them do not belong to Him at all. Yes, there is no condemnation with the Lord, but there is also need for real, realization this morning that Christ is in us. You know what, guys? Hear my heart this morning. I possibly 
in my walk, I lean more towards the priest's side of it. I love talking about grace. I love talking about the great things of God. But yet we need to have balance of king. Do you want a dose of king this morning? 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one with her? For the scripture says that the two are one, are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. When we have Christ in us, and we start to go and dwell in sin, whether that be anything, lust, pornography, um, covetousness, lying, we are bringing the Spirit of the Lord into that with us. And we need to walk in that place and say, God, there is no guilt nor condemnation, but Lord, I have sinned, and I've fallen short of your standard, and Lord, I need to fall on my face before you and say, God, change me. God, may the Spirit of God rule this temple. Lord, may I not walk anymore in the flesh, but God, every day, Lord, help me to be a man or woman who is led by the Spirit of God. Because, my friends, there's always consequences in everything. God loves you. God wants to see the best. God wants to give you peace. But if you're not walking by the Spirit, then your, your world is going to be full of chaos. And when we read what the solution is, it's coming back to that place and saying, God, somewhere, somehow I went off track. And Lord, this morning, I want to stop. Understand there's no guilt there's no condemnation, but I need to be realigned with the Spirit of God. And I need to walk as a man, as a woman of integrity. I need to be walked, I need to walk this morning led by the Spirit of God. I've heard it said so many times, you know what, we need to crucify our flesh. No, we don't. That's impossible. Just picture that. You're laying on a cross, you put out an arm and you grab a stake. And if you had the, the guts to be able to finish it, all of a sudden you go to do the other hand. You can't. But what Jesus did on the cross is complete. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to be humiliated, whipped, beaten, spat upon, so each one of us could experience the Spirit of the Lord inside of our lives. <sighs> and it just starts by us saying, God, I don't want to live for myself anymore. Because you know what? This world is going to tell you, you're crazy. Put yourself first. You deserve it. You deserve it. You've worked hard, man. You put everybody above yourself. It's my time. But it's walking in that place and saying, God, what would you have me do? 
And when our desires line up with his desires, then he grants us the desires of our heart. Because all of a sudden, our desires change. It's not like, I need a yacht because I need my, my neighbors to know that I'm better. It's, Lord, I have this bonus, God. And I was going to buy a yacht with it, but God, what would you have me do? And if the Spirit of the Lord says, buy a yacht, I'm going to use it, then guess what? Go out and buy it and have a great time with it. But the Spirit of the Lord says, you know what? I've got plans for that. I gave you that increase because I'm going to use you as a business person in the kingdom of God, and you're going to sow that, and God is going to multiply that hundredfold. And once he finds you trustworthy with that little, stand back because more and increase is coming. For if I can trust you with the small things, I can trust you with the big things. Lord, find me trustworthy, God. Verse 13, uh, uh, Paul says in Romans 8, he gives us the spiritual key in verse 13. It says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What areas are you struggling with this morning? What are you wrestling with? Bring in the Spirit of the Lord. Love the Lord. Get up tomorrow morning before your feet even hit the ground. Worship Him at work during coffee breaks. Listen to the Spirit of God. We have choices in our life. What is going to fill you? Are you going to be filled with watching specific things that it's just kind of like, oh, I know I shouldn't be watching this, but... Or are you going to say, God, you are with me, and Lord, I want you to rearrange and fix the plumb line in my life because, God, I want to walk holy. There's no condemnation, but the Spirit of the Lord needs to be leading our temples. (laughs) If there's darkness in a room, what do you do? Do you teach the darkness that it shouldn't be there? You start to read books, darkness in the room. We don't do that. We take a little thing called a light switch, we flip it on and it's not dark anymore. That spirit is in us. And the spirit of God is light. And when we walk into light, when we walk into darkness, we say, spirit of God, you are with me always. Will you light my path? Will you take me to where you want to go, God? You know, people went up to Augustine, I love this, and said, how do we find the will of God? Augustine said, it's simple. Love God and do what you want. What? How is that possible? Simple. Because if they love the Lord your God, guess what? Your desires change, your hearts change, and your eyes are fixed upon him. Psalms 37 says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Ernie, would you come? Man, I really want to lead a Bible study. Man, I really, I really want to go to Sri Lanka and spend some time with Nish and Kristen. All of a sudden, those desires in your life start to change. And it's like, 
I just want this. And dad is like, I've placed that in you. And I'm going to see that come into fruition. And I'm going to do great things through you because I am great. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. My friends, maybe you've been off track. And maybe the enemy's been whispering in your ear, see, you're a failure. You're a bad dad. You're a bad mom. You're a bad Christian. You're this, you're that. It's walking in that place and saying, you know what? Romans 8.1, there is no guilt, no condemnation. God, I've blown it. God, I've fallen short of your glory. But God, would you make some changes? Would you realign me this morning, God? Because, Lord, I want to walk and I desire to walk in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. I'm just gonna just gonna get Ernie to come and lead us in something. And as he does that, my friends, can we just take a few moments and just focus on the presence of God? Can we start to ponder that question, Lord? How have I been living my life? God, what has been dominating my thoughts? Spirit? Or flesh. And if you come up and you're, as you're praying for that, if the Holy Spirit shows you that it's been flesh, there's no guilt nor condemnation. It's simply coming up and saying, God, I need that to change. I need peace in my life. I need to be able to walk in the joy of the Lord and renew my commitment to you this morning where I say, God, I've fallen short. But God, I know that you've got me in the palm of your hands. And if that's you, would you come up so we could pray for you? You know what? Maybe you just want to kneel at the front and just have some private time with the Lord and just say, God, I just, I'm just doing this right now, one-on-one, mono-a-mono, you and me, and I just need to spend some time with you. That's awesome. If you're kneeling up at the front, nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to pray with you. Nobody's going to ask you anything. But if you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer, then I'm going to get the board members and our prayer team to come on up. And we want to pray for you this morning and stand with you and encourage you. Man, my friends, as your pastor, I've been there. I've made fleshly choices. I've fallen short of the glory of God. But it's simply saying, God, I need to realign my heart. I need to be able to set my eyes upon you and realize that wherever I go, that you're coming with me. In Jesus' name. Amen? Let's stand. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry.
Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.